Making a recipe that calls for butter? Make it better with European butter from France. With a minimum of 82% butter fat, it's no wonder French butter is the number one choice of chefs the world over. Whether you're whipping up an omelet, sauteing vegetables, or spreading it on toast, the rich, cultured flavor of butter from France always elevates. Be sure to look for Made in France on the label. And for recipes, tips, and tricks, go to tasteeurope.com. Listen, if you take the seeds out of a ghost pepper, it, the flavor profile of it is almost a dried tomato. Don't eat one of those things. Dry it and like, <laughs> you know, and get rid of the seeds and, yeah. and use it wisely. But it adds a lot of flavor to it. This is Taste. I'm your host, Matt Rodbard. Hilary Sterling is a longtime New York City chef who is currently the executive chef at Chisiamo, one of my favorite restaurants in all the land. I've known Hilary for years, and it was really fun to dig into her history to find out about her early food memories growing up deep in Brooklyn and her many cooking jobs in Chicago and New York City. We talk about traveling around Italy for research and her friendly rivalry, more of a friendly meeting of the minds with Chef Missy Robbins. We also find out what she loves most about running one of New York City's hottest, literally its live fire, restaurants. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Hillary Sterling. Hillary Sterling, welcome to This Is Taste. Thank you for having me, Matt. Really cool to see you. You cooked the the launch party of Taste. You were there. I did. You were did. in the building. I was. Joy Luck Palace, 2017, February. That was an amazing kitchen to work in, and I thank you, and I think about it all the time. <laughs> it went, like, we brought a bunch of chefs in to cook in this massive, like, dim sum parlor. But th- first off, thank you and bringing it up because that was really cool of you to do that because we were nothing at the time, and you just, like, did it because that was very cool. What was the kitchen like? Oh, my God. The, the steamers in the dumplings, like, it blew my mind. There was also this vat of MSG, like, I mean... You could, like, roll in it. It was a... Like, every crevice of that place had a story. Um, (laughs) And I learned so much about uh, all the things that I never wanted to know, but I'm still not afraid to go back. In awe of the volume. That place closed, though, which was sad. It was sad. During the pandemic, but, yeah, go to any dim sum hall uh, kitchen. If you can, like, peek in, it's amazing. I mean, it was rotating. The wicker baskets, like, the bamboo baskets, were like on a rotating yeah. thing in the steamer and it was, it was and the speed racks were like uh, triple the size of normal yeah. speed racks i feel like it was a crazy space but let's talk about your restaurant chisiamo what was last night's service like i mean i want to get into it it's like it's summer like it's hot outside everyone is super hot mm-hmm. like people are like really coming together over food what was last night like um it was insane <laughs> i will i mean it was very busy we did a lot of people uh, in a short amount of time, and the patio was full. People are not afraid to sit outside still. I thought they were going to be. We have this conversation every day before service about the patio, what's going to happen. Um, and people love sitting outside in that little, you know, what I call a piazza. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <it makes laughs> Generous you, term. <laughs> <laughs> it makes you feel like you're not in New York. And so I think that's what's also drawing people. Um, I think the shed has something going on too, and uh, there's just a lot of people in the neighborhood. The High Line now ends at our front door, so which yeah. is um, 
Thank you. Um, you know, to all those people that put that together. So we are we're still cranking in July. I keep telling everyone to you know wait for it to slow down. So we're still we're still waiting. We're you know being proactive and <laughs> yeah. Not, but yeah, it was a it was an insane it was a evening. hot night. And and so we're recording this in in July and and um, it's like it's hot outside. Yes. And uh, I gotta believe that that's probably people are dying there because that's the only place they can dine because the inside is booked up, right? We are booked most nights, but we always leave room for walk-ins. It's okay. a huge thing for me. I've always, you know, been a downtown chef where you can walk in, say hi, grab a drink or, you know, a meal at the bar any night of the week. And so we probably did about 100 plus walk-ins last night. That's incredible. Well, we're framing this, you know, the, the subtext of the bear is always in our minds. And I, I know we'll get to your your kind of detachment from the show. Apparently you've not watched it. <laughs> but um, I want to just get into like what is an insane, you know, night like in New York um, right now cooking? Um, you know, for, for us, we, we plan our days, right? We know what's going to happen. And then all those wild cards, you know, you know, for us, we try to, um, do Italian style, you know, dining where like you have antipasti in a pair of TV, you know, you have a pasta course and an entree course, but that's the one thing in the summer that doesn't really happen. People come in, they want to order a bowl of pasta and they want to get going. So it's a little bit different than the winter where they're not settling in and ordering, you know, four courses and a big bottle of Barolo. We're drinking rosé, you know, having some gnocco frito and a salad, um, or a fish, but there was a lot of pasta sales last night. Yeah. Um, um, and, you know, just judging by the cook's face by the end of the night, that usually tells us if it's insane or not. I love it. It's an open kitchen. You're seeing everyone who touches plates, like their faces and there's lots of activity. It's a, it's a cool space. Who, who, who's coming in? You got some celebrities. Let's name, let's name drop. You um, got a name drop. I cannot. You know, I cannot. Uh, you know, <laughs> I ask that every time and I feel like some of these people take the bait, but I have to ask, you know, you talk about the Piazza, but it's like the Peloton Piazza. Cause like yeah. Peloton HQ is right there. Mm-hmm. And we had Emma on the show uh, recently. We talked about some of her restaurants. I think she mentioned yours. Who comes in from Peloton? There's got to be some. We we definitely appreciate the business from the Peloton crew. <laughs> um, we have a lot of instructors that come in. Yeah. Some that I um, there's a few that I take that you know that I I would want them to come in. Um, I'd love to introduce myself and say hi and thank them for everything they do. Uh, a lot of people from um, HQ they come in. They a lot of the higher ups come in as well. So we feed them and they enjoy food and they love being there. You're a cyclist yourself. You've done some Peloton bike, I hear. Who are your top three instructors? Uh, Tune Day, all day. All, Me too. Like, I mean, her boot camp kicks my ass, and I love it. I did CrossFit for a very long time. And, oh. um, uh, and you know, Chisiamo and, um, you know, my wife and I having a baby this yeah. year kind of put that on hold a little bit. Yeah. So Tune Day coming into, you know, our house really does help me. Mm. Um, uh, I back up into Cody. Yep. And then I run to Robin. Yeah. I, I do a lot of Peloton runs. I'm I'm definitely Emma one, Tune Day two, Dennis three. Ooh, that's my, that's my ranking. Okay. But but I like your ranking. So you have had some interactions with some of these folks. I have. Yes. I love that. It's cool that you're you're a user, you're a, you're an active member of the community, but you also feed them. You carb load them. I do, and I love it when they order carbs. It makes me feel so special that they are willing to eat that that day. I mean, they also work out for a living, which yeah. you know. Um, so, but yeah, when I feed them pasta and then just seeing their faces, it's it's really it's really precious. I want to zoom out. And talk about your upbringing in Brooklyn. You grew up in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. and I love that. Uh, our, our producer, Pat Stango, is not producing this segment. 
Uh, he also grew up in Brooklyn. So where was it? Where were you? Where, where were you going? I love just to hear about Brooklyn. It's so crazy. Um, I grew up in Sheepshead Bay. Yeah. So that's like two stops before Coney Island for most people that <laughs> do not know. Um, I grew up in the same house my father grew up in. So we had um, my grandparents lived downstairs and yeah. uh, we lived upstairs. You know, they were snowbirds, my grandparents. So they came back and forth. But we, you know, I lived on 27th between V and W. It is so far away. V. V. At v. As in Victor. Wow. And like, at V, you're like, at V, you're in this village? No, at V. No, at V, we are, you are like 17 blocks from the closest subway. I took the B44 to school. Yeah. Um, it was wow. really definitely a different side of Brooklyn that most people don't think of when they think of Brooklyn. Um, so I, you know, I, I, my sister and I joke a lot that we got out um, and we appreciate it. Yeah. What was food like growing up? It was rough. It was, uh, well. It's rough. <laughs> it was rough. You say it's rough. <laughs> it was, we, you know, my parents, they grew up in that neighborhood. So they had a lot of, um, they were parcel to a lot of the neighborhood restaurants. Yeah. Uh, we ate at, um, you know, a lot of the kosher delis. A uh, lot of, you know, we went to the kosher butcher because it was kosher downstairs yeah. and it was not kosher upstairs in my house. Um, my mom wasn't um, that into cooking. Um, my father liked to grill, but my grandparents fed us a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did eat a lot of traditional, like that uh, Eastern European style food in, yeah. downstairs, which I, that I long for still. Really? Um, oh my God. Stuffed cabbage. Oh yeah. I mean, there's nothing better. Let me ask you, were you doing Shabbat? Was it like no, a we were, food? I mean, no, no, you're not. We, de- we definitely celebrated the holidays, and um, my <laughs> uh, my grandparents were the founding members of the temple um, out there. Um, and my mother was always so bad about remembering to, like, shop before Yom Kippur fast. So she would, like, <laughs> make us, like, take a really long walk so that no one would see us from the temple going shopping on Yom Kippur oh my to get the food for the fast. She's totally going to kill me that I'm telling That's this story, but it's story. amazing. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, the sh- shame is powerful in, in a community like that, and yeah. you don't want to get in on the other end of that. No, but it was it was definitely one of those things that um, my father was um, he was he was a little bit more of uh, it was his parents, so we definitely celebrated that. My mom my mom did not grow up in that kind of um, you know not definitely not practicing. What about slice joints down there? Do you have any memories of growing of up? I mean, favorites take take a, take a um, shot. You know, we definitely went for slices after school. Yeah. So that was you know we. It was a treat. Uh, Italian ices, paper cups, yeah. cherry or chocolate. Now it would probably be lemon for me. Um, slices, Roma Pizzeria on Avenue U was a, a huge one for us. It was the closest one walking. Um, and if we didn't go to Roma Pizzeria, we oh. also, my other, my mom liked to treat us at Brennan and Carr, roast beef sandwiches and cheese fries. Yes, I remember <laughs> that place. And that place is still around. It is still there. And it I is. got to do a photo shoot inside <gasps> of it. It was probably, and it was like 95 oh. degrees out, and I was like, I'm going to have one of those cold pictures of, you know, Bud Light because I can now. <laughs> and uh, it was really, it was really, they're still the same people in there. It's great. I love it. My old landlord, Danny Lazaro, ran Isis Queen down in Sheepshead Bay. I don't know if you know that, those guys. They they did Italian ices for all the pizzerias. I love, Italian ice is one of those things. I just went to Chicago and went to Mario's. Did okay. you ever go to Mario's? I did not. It's across from Mr. Beef, or it's okay. across from Al's, sorry. Yeah. Across from Al's. I met Mario. Italian ice is great. It's. I mean, I think we should just bring it back. Paper cups, no need to reinvent the wheel. Definitely not. I mean, you can also just go, like, they had a pog, like, passion fruit, orange, and guava version of Italian They called ice. it a pog? Well, pog, like, the oh, that oh. Hawaiian blend. Oh, okay. I was and they had, like, lots of, like, really cool flavor combos. It was nice. Do you ever go to Queens? And go to um, the Italian Ice King, was it, of Corona, right? Uh, yeah, I definitely yeah. know the name. I've never been. You That's should, a good we should one. go. 
I feel it's a good uh, it's a good road trip to get Italian ice in the summer. Mm-hmm. Would you ever do it? Yeah, yeah. You ever do? You, what is your dream concept? Like, let's just go there. I feel like I want to ask you because you've worked at Vix, you worked with Bobby Flay. We'll get into that. You've done. You've worked at like big restaurants. You've worked Danny Meyer. Now, what about you? What do you want to do? You want to open up a small little thing somewhere? Uh, I mean, always deep down, right? I've always had this like you know, those two ideas that the quintessential trattoria, right? Find that corner. You know, open up, you know, salads, really, really like rustic style uh, pasta, you know, some entrees and call it a day. Or I want to go old school and opened up classic Italian-American red red sauce. Absolutely. There's nothing more that I enjoy than like eggplant parm, chicken parm, you know, meatball sauce. You know, even I'm a sucker for a baked ziti. It's so bad. Baked ziti can be very good. <laughs> yes. Like one out of 1,000 times. So those <laughs> the are other little... <laughs> 999 are kind of bad. Yeah. Usually without the like really cheap pasta that doesn't have ridges. And, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But deep down, like those those two and then throw in a, a pizza shop and I'd be happy. Oh, so a pizza shop with like maybe some big pastas. Mm-hmm. What's the neighborhood? Or is it even in New York? I don't know. You haven't. I have not gotten that far. It's yet. okay. I, I you're you've got a lot in front of you right now. So. <laughs> Let's go back a little. You went to culinary school in Chicago. Um, what was that like working in Chicago? Uh, and where did you extern in Chicago too? I didn't. I worked actually. So my at the time I was uh, living in Chicago, I worked at a company called C.H. Robinson, where I moved things from point A to point B. Oh. I was working in logistics. Yeah, um, and not at, food. Not food. Logistics. And at night, the um, there was, um, I would go to culinary school because I had this, so, you know, rewind. I, in, when I worked in Montauk and for, um, uh, in the summers, uh, I had a place I called, um, O'Murphy's pub right in the square, in the circle. And a woman named Nancy Neff owned it. And she would, you know, drink her red wine on ice at the end of the night and sit there and eat, we'd feed her dinner and, you know, and she'd give you feedback and, and I wanted to like learn more. And one day I came in and she was behind the line cooking. I was like, um, Nancy, is everything okay? And she looked at me, you know, and she's like, oh, Shane called out or something like that. And I was like, do you need me to help Put you? Put me in coach. Yeah, because I, I was like doing some salad stuff for them and frying, and I would also work in the front of the house there. And she's like, well, I have to know how to cook, right? I own this place. <laughs> and it always stuck with me. And I was working in this um, logistics company and, and after college, and I was like, I missed working in restaurants because I worked at um, – a bar across from Wrigley, the Cubby Bear. Oh, you worked at the Cubby Bear? Are oh you kidding God. me? I, you like, worked at the Cubby Bear. I did. What year? <laughs> 2000. Okay. So they had not won the championship. So they, they were like really bad. Oh, they were so bad. But yeah. I had never seen, like, I'm a Mets fan, right? Yeah. So like, yeah. I didn't, like, I'd never appreciated what, like, the Cubs fans were like. Yeah. And, you know, going to a stadium that was in the middle of a neighborhood. Yeah. So I worked at the Cubby Bear my summer after I graduated college and I'd work at the rooftop bars and I've worked all around. And I get to go to every Cubs game because mm-hmm. people had extra tickets, of course, because they were terrible. Um, and when I started my job, I'd kept the Cubby Bear job. And then, you know, one day I was like, if I'm going to own my own restaurant, I should learn how to cook professionally. So I went to culinary school at night. Um, and then While you were working logistics. While I was working. Paying your way through. 6.30 to 4.30, and then I'd go to mm-hmm. culinary school at night. And then I ended up doing my externship at um, the culinary school restaurant because mm-hmm. back then it was either Charlie Bird, um, True, and I think a Vec just opened yeah. in Blackbird. So that, the, the options were pretty, pretty slim. And honestly, I couldn't afford it. So I had to, yeah. you know, keep my logistics job. Spiaggio was probably doing some work then. They were open, yes. Yeah, um, maybe. That wasn't far. Yeah, it wasn't but. far. But but still, um, 
the bear you don't do you watch it <laughs> i i've i've seen like a half of one episode um i why I, well a i i don't have that much free time yeah. and b i just um i live that life i live in that chaos every day and that intensity and that noise and that volume um you know if i'm going to watch tv at the end of the night i'm going to watch some like crazy apocalyptic end of the world disaster stuff that totally takes you to a different place. Wow. That's interesting. That is the way you decompress is <laughs> yeah. actually going more intense than actually watching some trigger triggering. Yeah. Like, I don't want to relive service. Machine. I just finished service. You just let's, finished service. Let's put service to bed until the next day. Stefano Secchi said the same thing. He's not watching that shit. I mean, plenty of chefs have told me this. Like I I mean, I, I you know, a server came in the other day was like, I just want to say thank you. And I was like, oh, well, thank you. And, why, you know, he must have watched episode six or seven that everyone's talking about, and I don't know anything about it. Um, and he's like, did you watch The Bear? And I was like, no, I still haven't watched it. And he goes, well, I just want to say thank you. Holy shit. And I was this like, was recently? <laughs> it was like the other day. Episode, season two is definitely even more in the back of the house and even more respecting, like, high-level chefing. So I think that maybe there's a little bit of that happening. You're going to get more of that. I mean, maybe, like, if I, like, have nothing to do one day, but I'll, uh, I'll let you know when that day comes. So you ended up in New York working with Bobby Flay. Now, you worked with Bobby Flay. I believe he was not as famous as he is now. Is that correct? That's correct. His office was still in the building. And you worked at Bolo, right? I worked at Mesa Grill first, and then yeah. I went to Bolo. Okay. You worked at both. Oh, cool. And so tell me about Bobby. What's something that we don't know about him? You know, I think— I think people forget that he's actually a human being and he's an amazing chef. <laughs> he's a good chef. You're right. You know, he really taught me how to balance flavors um, and, you know, really was so passionate about Mexican chilies and the dried chilies and the fresh chilies and, you know, teaching us all how to taste. And I owe that to him, right? I wouldn't have understood. I had no idea what a dried chili was. Yeah. There was no Mexican restaurants in Sheepshead Bay. Yeah. I think there may be one now, you know, two now, but I didn't understand Mexican food. And now I love it and honor it. And I like love going to Mexico and finding that next best little corner spot. But he has an amazing palate. He is still in this business after all this time. So he has such great longevity and he appeals to the masses. And overall, he's a genuinely great person. Yeah. Um, still someone that I could call uh, if I needed a favor. Yeah. It sounds like. A lot of folks have said that about him, that he's just a sick chef. He's, like, got great skills, and, like, this Beat Bobby Flay business is cool, but ultimately when you're a line cook and working the line doesn't really matter. You just have to, like, really have those instincts. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you end up—I'm, like, jumping around a little bit. You worked with Missy Robbins for years, and that's I met you when you were working with Missy, and I have to just ask you in a teasing way, do you guys have, like, a rivalry? No. You and Missy? Because you guys are both— doing extremely high-level pasta, recognized by the New York Times with multiple stars. You're doing wood-burning, wood grills and cooking. Like So you're like, your styles are similar. Mm-hmm. No friendly rivalry. Um, we actually still have menu meetings sometimes. Ah, we still about. share ideas, uh, concepts. We, you know, when, you know, whatever, if each one of us is traveling, we'll, we'll share restaurants and pictures. And we actually live six blocks from each other. So she'll meet my son and I in the park and yeah. hang out. Yeah. And, um, you know, no, there is, um, there's no rivalry. There's no, a, I, just a complete appreciation of someone else that cooks very similarly. I, I mean, I'm absolutely But kidding. totally, yeah. She's I mean, dope. Like, Missy's the best, and you are as well. And you guys are really, you just are so generous with your time and great chefs. And I love that you do menu meetings. What does that mean exactly? It's super fun. We did it, like, right before we opened Chisiamo, and then occasionally we'll have coffee and we'll be like, okay, it's summer. 
What, what do you What do you have? What and it, What's inspiring you? What did you find? And um, I'll send me. You know, we'll send pictures of like menus like crossed out. We have a lot of that kind of like I can't take this anymore. It's time to change. And this is what I'm working on. And um, yeah, and it's a it's it's a lot of fun because sometimes when you're so in it, you can't see outside, and sometimes you need someone to tell you right. Just because we're all at this high level. You still need someone to be like, you're out of your mind. You know, every once in a while I'll send her a text be like, is this really ridiculous? And and she'll be like, yeah, that's actually ridiculous, but uh, go for it. Or I think you're ridiculous, you know, going backwards. But yeah, sometimes you just need someone to tell you like, no, or no, like, that don't sounds do that. delicious. Don't do that and, thing. Or like, what about cogs, like cost of goods? Are you guys like just completely complaining to each other about that shit? It's, you know, hey, do you know where to get this? <laughs> yeah, or hey, yeah. can you, uh, where are you buying that so cheap or whatever? Or can you help me introduce me to this? person or that person or hey yeah. I found this but yeah we um we exchanged definitely like I found this guanciale you should hear some I'll, I'll drop some off you know but you worked together at Voce for four years yeah so you worked and was it the one at Time Warner or the one downtown uh, no at Madison yeah, at Madison 26. the 26th location yeah what were those times like I mean Voce you guys were just putting out food like all the time it was a very busy restaurant it was very busy and we had a Michelin star which was very important to our owners that we kept um, which I don't even know what that means, but yeah, you know, back if, then it meant back then in you know 2009, it meant something to our British owner. Um, and you know, we still joke about some of the things that we did there. You know, I have this one dish that I um. Because we did these regional menus, so every three weeks we changed our lunch menu based on a different region. That's There's like 28 of them? Uh, 20, 20. 20. Okay. And so she would send an email out to myself and the chef of Columbus being like, next region is, you know, whatever, Tuscany, next region. And then we'd submit our menus and we'd do tastings. And, like, it was this constant cycle. And it was amazing because you were – you forgot how much you that, – that studying um, and that education was so important. Um, you know, and, and our jobs were almost to stump her. We would like my chef, the chef Jeremy McMillan, who was up at Columbus. We'd be like, "What did you find? Where did this?" And this is in you know early two thousands where there still was not an influx of Italian cookbooks here. And um, I definitely was was buying cookbooks in Italian because I couldn't find enough in English, you know. Wow. And um, and we would just keep changing the menus. And then you know one day we're like, you know, now I'm like, I can't believe I put an apple hat on that gnocchi. Like, why did I insist on making this dried apple twill for this goat? <laughs> it was a gorgonzola gnocchi with the smoked apples and yeah. an apple twill Like a twill. Like you called it a hat. I was like, like a garnish. It basically. was fucking ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> I put a hat on every single gnocchi like on the plate. Like what kind of hat? Like a baseball like a circle, cap? a circle hat, essentially. Like a beanie, like a yarmulke. <laughs> it was, it was yeah. totally an apple yarmulke. <laughs> I mean, the food, <laughs> listen, to get that, keep that star, you got to, you had to do a certain level of tweezer food back yeah. then. It was tweezery for Before sure. Before there were tweezers. Before but yes. there were tweezers. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you were, you were taking over Carmelini, you had this reputation, then Missy and you were just like, made it even better in many ways. You made it different. Okay. My words. I mean, I'm not trying to shade Andrew. No, I mean, AC's great. And yeah. um, we made it different. Um, it was very rustic. Um, Andrew's food at Avoce back then was very rustic and, yeah, and exactly. we refined it. Um, that's an interesting point because sometimes I do in my like p- perception of food, like sometimes when it becomes more fancified or, or cerebral or tweezery, it becomes better, but that's ultimately not the case. Yeah. Who doesn't want a big bowl of ragu and like pasta, like, you yeah. know, some crusty bread and some ricotta, which we did serve at Avoce back then. Yeah. Great restaurants. 
You look, I mean, doing those 20 regions and, and flipping the menu every three weeks, that must have been a real like blessing in disguise. It must have been a hell of mm-hmm. a lot of work, but ultimately you learned a lot. I loved it. I love studying in that manner. I love digging deep and learning about regions and then, you know, planning my next trip, right? You know, like, I love this region. I love the food. Should I go there? Where should I go? What's next? Um, yeah, it was it was so much work. But we were closed on Sundays there, and I remember us, you know, doing a lot of work on Sundays, you know, studying at home, going through books, writing menus. But it, you know, is a great way to learn how to write a menu. Listener who has never really thought about food outside of the bear, this is real life. You have seen these scenes on the TV show. This is real life. Love that, Hillary. Um, where should we go in Italy? I just came back from Puglia on the first taste travels. That was cool. Where should we go? Love Puglia. Puglia is great. Um, I'm a big fan of Sardinia. Yeah. Um, Katie just went. Um, and we, you know, I went to Tuscany for the first time this year, which is crazy. I must have, I've been to Italy probably 20 something times and I first time went to Tuscany. What um, time of year? We were there in March. Um, beautiful. So it was, it was beautiful. No tourists. <laughs> yeah, there was, we were, and it really was beautiful. It was green. It was the end of March and, um, the food was great. I got to go to the markets. I got to cook there. We were there for cool. work. Um, I mean, I always like to start my trips in Rome or Milan. Yeah. You have to start somewhere. Yeah. Um, start in the city, start with really defined food ways, you know, do some touristy shit. And, and then kind of rent a car and drive. Cause I mean, I can't drive stick shift. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm born and raised here. <laughs> yeah. And so I always have to you get, can drive. I can drive. Yes. I love driving. Um, but I always have to get like these fancy cars because they only have a few of those automatics, which is great. So, um, I've spent a lot of time there. I, I really love the South. Something about the South, I mean, maybe growing up in Brooklyn, you connect with it more, but yeah, something about the South, those dry pastas, mm-hmm. uh, obviously the tomatoes down there. What else? Why do you like the South? The, I mean, the weather, the blue waters, I'm a big, like, yeah. love the food and the beach on vacations. Um, I love the chilies because down the South, it's like, yeah. you know, chilies and and there's not a lot of butter down there. So like in the North, you're much, the food's much richer. In yeah. the South, it's much lighter. So um, I just love the exploration of it. And I also think it's so unknown, right? Like Puglia, I went 12 years ago by myself and it was like still like car, you know, train cars with like curtains and stuff. Yeah. And it's still probably. It's it hasn't good. changed much. I mean, there's definitely like a lot of like cool eco resorts and Lecce is now like Florence of the South. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's still kind of old school there. It was great. I drank some rosé. I ate some yeah. seafood. Ate a lot of orchetta, I'm sure. I'm sure. A hundred percent. And a lot of dried favas and yeah. anchovies. And there's this cheese that I was looking for the whole time called Ricotta Forte. And um, and it was great. It was That's, funky and delicious. I went to a producer who was making exactly that. It's, it's this, so crazy. On this trip. It is a crazy version of ricotta. It is mm-hmm. different. It's 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 more compact. It's saltier. It has more sharpness. Absolutely. Um, let's talk about Cayenne Nashville hot chicken. I had no idea you were in the hot chicken business, Hillary. I, I let's am. talk about that. I love it. I You know, I took a trip with some friends to Nashville. Um, Jan- it was January like 2nd or 3rd many, many years ago, and we ate hot chicken all weekend. And I loved it. And then we did a pop-up at Vic's where we did this um, Nashville-style hot chicken. And then I served this Calabrian um, chili, chicken fat, fennel, fried chicken at Vic's for a very long time. And I, it's one of the things I miss dearly. I left it there. I don't know if they still serve it. but um, And I, had, I was approached by a company that runs kind of – it's essentially a ghost kitchen, but but now they do it in other people's kitchens. Mm. So there's 18 locations across Pennsylvania, New York, New Jersey – um, I, mo- the Philly ones are the the biggest ones. Yeah, 
Um, and we sell three different, four different spice levels that I created all the spice mixtures for. I still use chicken. I use duck fat now in it. Yeah. So, you know, the one thing about Nashville chicken is they use a lot of pork fat in it. And I, that's not for me, right? Yeah. Chicken fat and duck fat has so much more flavor. Yeah. The flavor of pork can be a little bit flat, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and then we're also pushing out an entire, uh, you know, sect of people that don't eat pork. So let's make chicken for all, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so lots of chilies, uh, sandwiches, plates, fries, mac and cheese. That's it. It's fast. So all these locations. Um, let me ask you going back, though. When you're in Nashville doing the research, did you go to Bolton's? Oh, my God. The spiciest thing I've ever guy. eaten. It is like the the yellow mustard on the yeah. fish. The, it's it's fried fish, not chicken. I love Bolton's it's so much. It's so good. Yeah. We had a blast at Bolton's. I, I actually, the other two chefs I was with, there were some tears. Yeah. There, there were some, because it's the dry rub. Yeah. That gets you. Interesting. And, uh, it's the dry rub and the yellow mustard and the onions and the white bread. Like, yeah. I mean, in that. On top of your car, you're eating it like usually in the, the styrofoam lot. container. Yeah. I mean, hot chicken is, is a beautiful American food. Like, mm-hmm. it is truly one of our best foods. It's also like super overdone. I feel like now, like, fast food restaurants are doing it. So, yeah, everywhere. Popeyes. I walk past Popeyes on the way to the train. And the, there it is. I mean, they have a ghost pepper chicken. That, the ghost pepper thing. That's so annoying. It's, I mean, if, listen, if you take the seeds out of a ghost pepper, it, the flavor profile of it is almost a dried tomato. You just have to, like, figure out how to handle it without killing, you know, So it's actually a culinary reason to use ghost pepper, not, like, some YouTube meme shit. Yes. Don't eat one of those things. Dry it and, like, (laughs) you know, and get rid of the seeds and and use it wisely. But it adds a lot of flavor to it. I love it. Now, when you are thinking about hot chicken and you're eating it for research and you're eating it for, like, two straight days, how the hell are you getting through that? It was hard. I was really, like, we drank a lot. We ate a lot that weekend. Um, uh, You know, I remember us sitting down at Husk for, like, a meal afterwards. and like So good. I was like, I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can do it. Yeah, and we plowed through, and it was definitely one of those trips that I came home and I, I felt like my body needed a break. But I I love spicy things, I love the the challenge, um, and I love what they offer. Right, it's not just about the heat. Right, you got to look. You got to find the layers in there and the flavors. Yeah. So for me, a lot of that mustard in 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 the flavors, like the dried mustard they use and the brown sugar, um, the cayenne, like it's there's a lot of depth in there. I mean, I love that you break it down to actually why it's so great. Love that. Sean Brock famously puts his toilet paper in the freezer, just keeps it there all the time. <laughs> Leave it at that, listener. Um, what is a part of your job at Chisiamo that isn't talked about enough by people like me who write about food? I think people forget about the relationships. Um, you, we need to form relationships with our staff. You know, you mentioned earlier that we have an open kitchen, right? This is the most open kitchen. Everything's open. You can see everything. If you're sitting on the patio, you can see the pasta production. You can see it all. We are as transparent as possible. Um, And it's so important to my team that they're happy. It's a very intense kitchen, right? So we are busy from lunch and dinner. Um, They have to love it. They have to love that kind of volume. But they also have to love what they're doing. They have to be challenged. Um, They have to be excited. Um, They also, you have to build those relationships and, and, and engage um, you know, I'm a big um, component. I, I love when my cooks ask me to go travel. Yeah. Um, and they get so nervous. They're like, can I take six weeks off? Sure. Where are you going? 
And they're like, I'm going here, here, here. I'm like, okay, let's get the map out. Let's get this out. Let's talk about this. Yeah. Where, what can I do for you? You know, um, because they come back and they're excited and rested and they've, you know, they've eaten all these different things and they either come back and be like, wow, what do we do here is crazy. Or they come back and they're like, wow, this is really amazing. Oh, let's, cool. Let's so they actually on. have appreciation for it. Yes. Um, I see, I and see. I, you know, like I, a lot of my team that we've opened with, they're still there. Um, and you know, it's definitely, they're definitely tired and it's definitely hard, but I think it's building relationships with your team members that keeps the guests coming back and it keeps them coming back. How about Danny? How does he play into your life? I mean, is he, are you talking to him, Danny Meyer, the, you know, the guy whose name is on all of your restaurants? Um, he, of course, I can text him and say, hey, look what I found today. Yeah. Um, and he gets excited too. He's great to eat with. He's great to chat about food. He's such a wealth of knowledge um, about, you know, Italy first and foremost, yeah. right? Um, and just hearing him when we were in Rome and Tuscany in March, just the excitement in his eyes and the excitement when we sit down at a restaurant, you know, it's infectious. Oh my God. Um, and you're, he's like, Oh, this, this might be a great fall, you know, fall menu or summer menu, or what do you think about this? And, you know, should we chat next week? Let's have coffee. Um, you know, and just to share those stories. Um, he's really, um, he, he loves to push. He loves to daydream. Yeah. And he loves to chat. About yeah. And he's food. a great talker. I've interviewed him a few times, but never on the pod. We'll get him on the show. Man, traveling with him in Italy, like at these like private jets and stuff. No, come on. I'm kidding. <laughs> he's doing okay. I mean, it must be like a nice, nice vibe. We, um, we ate at a lot of restaurants in Rome. Um, it was a lot of fun. Definitely, um, you know, Tuscany was an amazing yeah. experience. Um, I, I mean, I got to cook for them in Tuscany with the products from there. So, you know, overall, it was, um, it was pretty great. What? is the group doing right now? What are you thinking? What direction? I know you, this is not your call and I know you're going to be very careful with what you say, but tell me where, what direction is the group going in? I'm, I can't speak for the group, Matt. You know <laughs> I had to ask because I feel I like appreciate it, you it, asking, it, but... I'm very interested in what you're doing. I think we all are if you give a shit about New York City restaurants. You know, we loved, Chisiyama was, was welcomed with such open arms, and it was so exciting to do that. And, you know, we just opened seven days a week at Chisiam once, like, you know, a year ago, and we're still building, you know, a restaurant that's, you know, will be two years old in October. Yeah. There's still so much to learn, um, and there's still so much to do. So for me right now, we're focused on just keep growing that business and and finding new guests and, and seeing who's in the neighborhood. People actually live over there. <laughs> you know, I know it's surprising to most New Yorkers, but there are so many people that live there yeah. and it, and we're just going you know, to keep meeting them. Yeah, keep... I mean, two years in, you bring it up and I have to ask, like, does it get any easier with time? Of course. Everything Good. gets easier with time. But, it, you know, it's practice and then it's our jobs to keep you know, keeping keeping it exciting and present. That's the hardest part, right? You Some days you want to come in and be like, I don't want to change the menu. I just want to have a day that's like easy and great. And let's cook the food that we know how to cook. But then you're looking at those cooks, right? And they're like, what's next? Yeah. They don't want to be doing the same like three or four dishes, no. like times 28 every night. They want to be doing new cool shit like you were doing at Avoce. Do you do that kind of work? Do you throw specials on? Yeah. We um, we definitely change a little bit more. Um, I don't change as much as I used to at Vicks just because of the sheer volume. It's a little bit more challenging. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we're definitely in the summer menu process right now and having some fun. Um, and the cooks, I kind of give them a heads up. I'm like, tomorrow's the day. Or, you know, where's that zucchini? You know, and we kind of get them involved with it so they can be a part of that. You know, this is what this is the recipe. Can you make it for me today? Let's see if we can get that done. And then we start with that muscle memory. I love that. Um, what about Claudia Fleming? Is her her pastries are still on the menu? Absolutely. Why would I be crazy to change I that? I mean, I always say like 
order all these amazing dishes from Hillary. It's a great, but you have to order every single dessert. Every single dessert. Every single one. Order all six, probably, with some three or four gelatos, maybe some ices. Yep. We change um, the uh, gelatos because, uh, you know, when when Claudia, when I found out Claudia was on this project, I was like skipping, you know, yeah. like this is amazing. What an opportunity. Um, and I spent four or five months in the basement of Marta mm-hmm. just with Claudia. It was just Claudia and I for so many months and our general manager at the time, Megan Sullivan. And the three of us kind of like did the tastings for Danny, both savory and sweet. And we set up the tables and we did all these things. So I just got to spend every day with Claudia. And she's such a perfectionist. Oh, yeah. Um, and it was really fun. We we learned how to make gelato together because I never really made gelato. Um, and she had always made ice cream. Yeah, exactly. So like really like this whole process of like, let's go eat ice. Let's go eat gelato. Where are we going to go? What are we going to do? What do we need? And she's like, what are Italian desserts? And I was like, well, there's like five of them. You know, it's not exactly like dessert is more of a pastry thing. I mean, listener, if you're coming to New York this spring or sorry, summer or fall, it's like Lilia, Chisiamo, order the desserts. And rank it in your brain which gelato is better. They're both very good to me. Very different. They are they very, are very different. Temperature is very different from both. Yes. Um, I and you know, we definitely spoke with Missy about her take on it. I mean, uh, Lilia also has soft serve, uh, which yes. is great. Um, big fan. And our temperatures are different. <laughs> our intensities are different. She has a much softer approach to gelato. I have more of a chewier. Um, yep. silkier texture, um, neither bad nor good, obviously, right? But, yeah, they're very, they're different. They're more different than I expected. And you throw Brooks Headley in there, and you've got, like, three of the best gelatos in the country. Well, I mean, he just, you know, I mean. His, his stuff. But, I mean, I'm being serious. Like, these are all, like, high level. And I think, like, Lilius, like, they run those gelatos in that hot kitchen. I mean, that temperature is always so, so right. It's mm-hmm. hard to do. Not to talk about Lily anymore, but I feel like gelato is in a... a Endless well of conversation. Mm -hmm. On This Is Taste, we ask guests about their discerning taste. So to close this interview, here's a little rapid-fire Fast and Furious taste check for you. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. The best AM pastry with coffee. Can I have three? Of course. Okay, just checking. Let's go three. Okay, uh, chocolate croissant. Yes. Um, There's a pastry in uh, prosciutto called lingua di prosciutto. It's a lemon like puff pastry that's just mind blowing and sfogliatella in Naples. Oh yeah, that that one you can get down in Brooklyn somewhere. Yeah, but it's not the same. Ain't the same. I'm glad you said that. Okay, best dessert hands down. Um, I think gelato is probably the best for me, or anything um, that Carolyn Schiff makes. Uh, yeah. Gage and Tolner, her coconut cake, mind blowing. Really great chef, been a guest on the show. Most underrated New York City restaurant. I think in my neighborhood, I think we in Williamsburg, just uh, Saint Anselm is one of my go tos all the time. I think it kind of falls under the radar. Um, been open for like fifteen years. Yeah, that's a great call. I love that place. The most underrated piece of kitchen equipment. I think um, we use um, these little hats on lemons to squeeze lemons on everything, <laughs> and I think everyone should use that. Wait, so you pop it in, and like how? Okay, it's like a hairnet for a lemon. Yes, of course. So there's like no seeds in the sauce. And you squeeze it on there. No seeds in the sauce, and you don't like. No one in a professional kitchen has those big clunky ass things. Yeah, it takes too long to put it in there and squeeze it, and then you can't control it. You can't feel it. Most overrated ingredient for me: black garlic. It's one of my least favorite things to taste. Yeah. Can be pretty burned up and bad. Yeah. Most underrated ingredient? Colatura and fish sauce. I don't think it gets uh, the I don't think it gets highlighted and like utilized in the correct ways. I agree fully. Roman fish sauce definitely never gets really talked about in the conversation. I love that a lot. 
What food most defines New York City? I mean, for me, it's it's different, right? It's the old school, the old school Jewish delis. Yeah. Um, you know, Pastrami Queen just opened in Moynihan, and I oh, was yeah. like, I was like, what did I do? This is amazing. What, is it is it like half as good? I don't know. I, I haven't tried it yet, <laughs> but I walked by yesterday morning thinking I should try it. But I think old school Jewish delis, old school Italian American um, spots and slices. Those are that's for me. That's New York. Oh, so well said. I agree. Your favorite cookbook of all time? I think it's a it's a it's a toss up, right? Diane Kennedy, Marcella Hazan, River Cafe. Or, you know, I, I use a lot of um, Six Seasons by Joshua McFadden. It's yep. definitely one of my big rotations. Um, but the the three ladies, yeah. you know, those are the four the ladies. Canon, the canon, yeah. yeah. It'd be great to do a Mount Rushmore with them as the photo or the Absolutely. illustration. You're giving me ideas. Your favorite pasta shape? I love dried pasta so much. much and I know I make fresh pasta. I get yeah. it. But I, um, I think bucatini because it goes with my favorite sauce, of course. Which, go Buc- ahead. Is, bucatini is, is my number one, too. It has a hole inside. It captures the sauce. It's, it's like layers perfect. of flavor and fun. Bonza just did Bucatini too, which is hilarious. Really? Yeah. I like Bonza. No shade. I like those guys. It's okay. I feed it to my son. Yeah, it's good stuff. Your favorite pasta sauce. Amatriciana. Con- I don't even have to. Like, Amatriciana all day long. Define that for our listeners. Uh, guanciale, onions, tomato paste. Not sauce. Tomato paste. Um, chili flake and parsley. Found in Rome. So good. Uh, Last question. Your favorite sandwich. You know, if for me, um, in I just ate the most amazing sandwich in Rome. It was uh, lingua and salsa verde, um, ah. and which translates to a lot of my love of of tongue sandwiches and mustard here, uh, followed by my secret love affair of uh, BLT. So salsa verde and tongue. It was so good. Oh, it was so good. How crispy is the bread? It probably crispier than it should have been. It should have been a touch softer. Yeah. Um, but it was at Morty Ivai in uh, Testaccio Market, and um, it was so good. Just just salsa verde. That's the only condiment. Salsa verde and tongue. That's, that's, that's it. it. Love that. Hillary Sterling, thank you for joining This Is Taste. Thank you for having me, Matt. This Is Taste is hosted by Eliza Abarbanel and me, Matt Rodbar. The show is produced by Shalia Harris and Pat Stango and edited by Clayton Gumbert. Theme music by Steve Rydell. Visit Taste Online at tastecooking.com and make sure to subscribe to our newsletter for updates on all cool things that are happening.